Welcome back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric. And in this episode, I've got Will Ryan back on the show to talk about an alternative way to trade some of the major AI-related stocks with leverage, but without the use of options. Will is the CEO and founder of Granite Shares, and you may have heard of him before as he was on episode one of the podcast, and the title of that episode was Stock Market Startup, GraniteShares.com Single Stock ETFs with Will Rind. Granite Shares now has a new Tesla leveraged ETF that trades 1.75 times the regular stock under the ticker TSLR. We're going to talk about that. They also have a very popular leveraged NVIDIA ETF under the ticker NVDL that trades 1.5 times the regular stock price. I'm going to put a few links in the description with those tickers again so you can see them. But also, I definitely recommend you go to GraniteShares.com and read the disclosures and and a lot of the offerings they have. These are very unique uh, opportunities if you're a short-term trader, in my opinion. But let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Will Ryan from Granite Shares, and we're starting right now. All right, Will Ryan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Great, Eric. Thank you so much for having me back. Sure thing. I know you have a, a couple new things to share with us, and we'll get into those in just a minute. Uh, and for the listeners, um, just so you know, Will was on the show a few months ago. I think it was in May. And I was doing a stock market startup series when we talked about uh, Granite Shares as, you know, as a company and creating products and things. Um, but if anyone missed it, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and just a little bit about Granite Shares before we get into our uh, discussion? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Will Rind. I'm the founder CEO of Granite Shares ETF. So as the name might suggest, we're an asset manager that, or money manager that specializes in creating and listing, managing ETFs or exchange-traded funds. So we have a global business, but principally um, we're based in the United States and in Europe. So I'm coming to you today from New York City, where we have our headquarters. Um, but we issue ETFs on a variety of different strategies, everything from commodities uh, and income-based uh, plays to leverage single stocks, which is what we were talking about um, largely on the last episode, which, again, as the name kind of implies, is a new category of ETFs where it's an ETF that provides leverage uh, either on the long or on the short side to an individual company like a Tesla or NVIDIA, et cetera. And those have been very, very popular products for us. Yeah, that's great. I know you have a couple of new ones, um, especially with Tesla. And, and you know, this is pretty timely that we connected this week because uh, Tesla had a big move. Um, was that yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. yesterday um, we're doing yeah. this. We're recording this just for everyone on uh, September 12th in the afternoon. And yesterday, Tesla was upgraded for a couple reasons, um, and I wanted to maybe touch on those a little bit. Um, I, I think they're getting some uh, additional uh, umph, you know. I mean, with the AI and and especially with Nvidia, obviously. But um, but it, it's you know it seems difficult to as a trader, as a retail person, when I say, hey, I want to I want to invest in AI. It's like it's not that easy because. You know, my take is it seems like these larger companies are just sort of adopting AI. You know, you think Microsoft and, and ChatGPT and, of course, Google and all the all the big names. And, what you know, what's your take on just the AI landscape in general right now as far as adoption and uh, ways for maybe retail traders to get some exposure to, to some of those? Well, the analogy I like to use, I think it's a good one for AI because you're you're hitting it on the head there. Um, Eric, which is that at the moment, it's not really 
too much of an investable theme. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, you know, the San Francisco gold rush, um, where you had obviously a huge amount of people coming out searching for gold and obviously prospecting specifically for gold. And the analogy is that the people who consistently made money out of the gold rush were not, you know, the 1% of prospectors who, you know, struck it rich, but were the people selling the picks and shovels. And in the AI business, I think at this stage, you probably want to be with the companies that are selling the picks and shovels. And NVIDIA, you know, is exactly that company um, with regards to that cutting edge technology that, of course, famously um, powers ChatGPT, which I think woke everybody up to the realization that, okay, here's a, a direct link between um, this, you know, amazing AI capability and, you know, a company which most people knew as already being, you know, super important in the gaming space and in the crypto space, providing, you know, hardware for that. So yeah. I think at the moment, um, you're right that if you wanted to invest in AI, it's very difficult to invest in that as a theme, um, but certainly getting very direct or targeted exposure to certain companies like NVIDIA um, is one way that people are playing it. And we have a a leveraged uh, single stock ETF on NVIDIA, NVDL, which has done extraordinarily well, you know, since the beginning yeah, of this year, unsurprisingly. Yeah, NVIDIA is, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, in my previous life, my corporate life, um, I was a infrastructure manager for an engineering firm. And um, one of the things we had been trying to get into was uh, uh, virtual graphics cards for the engineers, because typically, um, the graphics cards, the software uh, for the engineering uh, guys were, um, you know, it needed the data with you. So the hardware and the, the files and everything had to be together. And we started um, doing uh, Windows desktops in Azure. And you could you could select, uh, I forget the name of them. They're like different versions of PCs that had NVIDIA cards in them. And we started expanding our virtual uh, desktop. So basically, if you know, I was in Orlando, Florida, so we would have someone like in North Carolina, which is several states away, and they could remote into a virtual desktop that was, you know, had the data there. So you know, we didn't have to travel as much and all that. And at some point, um, we would go to spin up these desktops, and um, they would say it's not available. So even you know, and this was, gosh, it had to be. This was five five mm -hmm. years ago and NVIDIA was the main one and they, they, Microsoft didn't have enough of them. And that was five years ago. And that was before AI was even really kind of discussion. So the, you know, the, the fact that now they're using those cards for AI, we were just trying to use it for graphics, you know? And, yeah. and before that it was like um, Bitcoin mining and whatnot. But um, so in, you know, I think you're right. The, the picks and the shovel analogy is, is spot on with NVIDIA. And, you know, I, I got an interesting kind of take on an article I read about the Tesla, Tesla shares and how or, or why Tesla rallied 10% on that Morgan Stanley upgrade. And one of the things was one of the technologies that they're looking to license to other car companies, potentially. I know they already did that with the chargers. Are, do you view names, obviously NVIDIA, but what about names like Tesla or Microsoft? Do you view those as AI plays as well, uh, considering they're, they have those back end? things that they're working on? Yeah, I mean, I think 100%. In the case of Tesla, I mean, Microsoft, obviously, with the the investments that they've um, made with OpenAI specifically, but I think 
more broadly um, in the space. Uh, Tesla's an interesting one. I think Elon Musk himself, uh, when challenged on you know, numerous earnings calls over the last few years around self-driving, um, was that you know, after kind of promising self-driving or autonomous driving and, and that not really ever happening to the extent that uh, it was perhaps envisioned, um, you know, certainly he said that really you can't solve autonomous driving until you've, you've got the first sort of AI. And, and I think, you know, that has, you know, really been the, I mean, at least in his words, you know, that's been, you know, the, the threshold that has to be achieved, um, for, you know, the self-driving to really work, um, that there has to be this sort of self-driving AI, um, which doesn't exist at the moment, or if it does exist, you know, it's not certainly in, uh, commercial production are not on the road, you know, for consumers to, to, to purchase. But, um, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about game changers, I've always believed that, you know, the advent of, you know, self-driving is just for all of us who've only ever known, uh, a journey in a vehicle with a driver, you know, this will be an absolute game changer. Um, and the possibilities are, are obvious. Uh, for the things that we can immediately envision. But I think there's countless other opportunities which we haven't really even begun to think about yet. Um, but certainly once self-driving is really solved, which is an AI problem, um, whoever gets there, whoever does that, whoever has that technology, um, I think will do, you know, that's an incredible opportunity. Yeah, I, I definitely think Musk and Tesla are thinking beyond cars. Obviously, they've been working on things. My Speaking of cars, my, my son just got hit excuse me, got his driver's license, his lear learner's Congratulations. Permit. Yeah, yeah, maybe, we'll see. Um, but I, I always go back to like, I learned to drive with a stick shift, you know? And um, me too. And it's funny that, you know, I don't know if you have kids or not, but my, yeah. like my kids just don't know stuff, you know? Like they just don't know. I sound like an old man now, like the way it was when I grew up, I had to, you know, I had to, we, we practiced going up a hill, like, like the first part of driving back then was just, um, it was a thing like backing out of the driveway with a clutch in reverse yep. and then pulling back in. And I did that a hundred times. And then you, you had to be able to do that or you, you would never go anywhere. And so the, the idea that, I mean, my, I mean, I don't think we're going to have self-driving by the time my kids, you know, they'll be driving automatics and they'll be actually driving. But it's interesting to think that, um, like you said, that some some people just won't know. <laughs> it, it, it could really yeah. change everything, you know. And then it's like, what what do they what do they? Do? I guess that's not a thing. For um, no, absolutely. I mean, the amount of things that are so different now, you know, even just in the past, you know, kind of 10, 15 years, you know, yeah, that you got a whole generation of people growing up, you know, without access i've never seen you know a telephone with a cord on it before or a telephone yeah. in your fixed line telephone in, in your house um you know just simple things which you know took for granted even very very short period of time ago is, is now pretty much gone yeah yeah my kids grew up with spotify and um the other day i was um telling my daughter something about a, a cassette came up not, it was some old song on the radio I'm like oh i had this on tape and she's like what's a tape and she's 12. Yep. And I was just like, you have no idea. Like, that's how we would get songs. We would hit record when the radio was on and you hope to catch most of it. So you didn't have to go buy it and then wear out. And they're just on like, like Spotify or what, YouTube or whatever. Um, yeah. 
anyway, things are changing. Sorry, I got sidetracked on that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so so Tesla had this huge move. And I know you have a, like you mentioned, TSLR is your, is Granite Share's new leveraged bull ETF for Tesla. That's what, what's the percent? 1.75. Is that right? Yeah, that's the highest, that's the highest leveraged Tesla ETF you can buy now in the market. Yeah. When I was prepping for this episode yesterday, I saw that move and I, I put TSL in my watch list. I had TSLR and I have NVDL for NVIDIA. Yeah. When Tesla, so Tesla was up 10% or so and TSL, TSLR was up like 17 or something percent. And I was just like, yeah. oh my God, that's a crazy one day move for um, a stock yeah, without crazy. options, you know, with because usually we think of leverage with options and you know, maybe you can just speak real quick as a reminder, you know, what is the benefit of trading a leverage, a single stock ETF versus maybe a, a leap call option or something like that? If you want leverage with Tesla, can you just kind of compare those for us? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, the first thing that probably is different on the ETF is that it's a fully paid investment. In other words, your if the ETF stock is $25, then you put $25 in and you get one share. And when you get one share, then you hold it in your brokerage account and you're completely in control of then when you sell it. There's no margin. All of that is built into the product or built into the leverage. So the beautiful thing is when you're buying it, you're in control of the investment. You choose when to buy, you choose when to sell. And you're not going to get stopped out um, from a margin perspective by a broker or anything else as you would with traditional. So obviously with, with options contracts, there's a finite period where you know, the contract will expire um, and that can expire worthless. Hopefully with a leveraged ETF, um, it won't expire worthless. Although, of course, with anything leveraged, you know, there is the possibility that you know, yeah. your investment can obviously lose money or indeed could go to zero in extreme circumstance. But the basic idea is it's prepackaged leverage. You're in control of the investment. You get to buy. You decide when to buy. You get to decide when you sold. And there's no um, margin that you have to account for as you would with a traditional investment. You know, as, as that the leverage comes up, it's more enticing to consider those because I, I know that's one of the things I've I've shied away from is trading um, directional options on stocks. I, I tend to do more spread selling and and high probability it's more about where you think the stock isn't going to go yeah. um or or selling puts for discounted and that type of thing but but to to get like direct directional exposure is something i just haven't really gotten into because really like said, there's all those variables you know really difficult unless unless your market timing and of course it's just a very difficult thing to do yeah. the, the other thing i should mention is the the short products Again, it is a great tool um, for people because first of all, going short is really difficult. Uh, it's really difficult for the vast majority of professional investors, let alone uh, you know every kind of investor. Yeah. And getting access to the shorts is really difficult for some of these stocks. The borrow rates can be super high. And again, when you're doing that, um, you know, via options or another type of strategy, you're locking yourself into a very finite you know period where Typically, it's very binary, either win or you lose. Um, whereas with the ETF, it's a buy and hold. You can you know, obviously get into a short product and you hold it. Again, you're in control of when you sell it. Um, and you're maintaining that exposure to the short side, be it one times or one and a half times you know, levered on the short side. So 
It's a really interesting way for people that just want to hedge a position or who want to take an outright directional view clearly on the stock price. The hedging makes a lot of sense. As a kind of short-term trader, what I have on my watch list now is uh, TSLR and NVDL and really just looking to play the uptrend. Yeah. And when the party's over, you know, maybe I'll look at the short side. I'm not going to try to get too fancy, but I, I can see how if you have a large, if you're a Tesla holder, and normally what you would do into like an earnings event is either is, is do some sort of hedging uh, options, hedging strategy, maybe a collar or something like that, yeah. where you're selling calls and buying puts just so you can, you know, stay, you just want to stay in it, you know, and, and not get murdered. So, so factoring in maybe the leveraged ETF, the TSLD, the short side would be something that you could consider as a, as a holder of any of these stocks, really anyway, Nvidia, Tesla, I know you you have a new uh, what was the other one AMD is that right you added a new AM, yeah AMDS so AMD short so AMDS it's uh, just an inverse it's not leverage it's an inverse exposure to AMD so that okay, be, not- there's no other product that can give you that exposure to AMD yeah and I know we talked about this on the uh, last last episode a little bit but what were I mean obviously Tesla and, and Nvidia make sense because they're they're so popular and they have long-term prospects. So as as a company who's creating a product, um, you want it to last a long time. But can you just walk us through again? Like what are the considerations when you when you're like, okay, let's make an ETF, a single stock ETF on this name or whatever? What are some of the considerations that you uh, take in for that? Yeah, I think um you know, first of all, we've been running this business in Europe, a lot of European markets for, for a few years. We have some experience in terms of from a practical perspective, what kind of companies people like, what com- kind of companies um, people dislike. And, you know, certainly with the people or with the companies that people like, um, I'd say that a lot of them are in the technology space. A lot of them are, by definition, quite volatile um, because that works really well for when you're using leverage. It's like... You know, people enjoy that shorter term trading you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all large cap stocks. Um, and Is that's that a common theme, you think? Kind of large, yeah. large cap. And are they mostly they tech? Kind of base. They're, they're mostly they're mostly tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of the reason for large cap is that they have a shareholder base that is everything from probably pension funds on the most conservative side. Mm-hmm to short-term traders on the other side. So it's not just one particular constituent. It's a very stable or a very diverse base um, of investors. And then in terms of putting stocks together, we try and offer a solution to the market that doesn't exist. So in the case of Tesla, that's providing the highest leverage Tesla products on the long and short side. And Tesla is just one of those investment phenomena that either you love it or you hate it but it's probably the most traded, most held stock in not just the United States, but almost the most major countries with an investing culture. It's just one of those phenomenons. Outside of Tesla, you have NVIDIA, which is obviously a link or a play on AI. You have you know, a company like Meta, which is not necessarily a, a link to a specific theme, um, but just a company that um, has done incredibly well this year, uh, a yeah. company that a lot of people own. Companies like Alibaba, you know, Baba is a proxy for China. It's a proxy for Chinese tech. You know, we to do that without buying local Chinese shares. You know, here in the market, Coinbase, which when we launched it, that was no, there was no leveraged uh, way to play crypto or leverage Bitcoin. 
Um, and so again, it's a proxy for, for the crypto space, proxy for, for Bitcoin and a way to do that with leverage. Um, and then, you know, other, other products like AMD, a way to get exposure to AMD or semiconductors more broadly. Um, and Apple, of course, you know, everybody owns Apple as the largest constituent in, in the S&P 500. And so naturally a place that you almost have to offer, you know, a stock like that. I was just thinking, you know, we, with some of my um, traders that I hang out with, um, one of the things we talk about a lot is market maker hedging. And I can't remember if I asked you this last time, but, um, you know, normally the, when we, in the options world, when a ton of, let's say, a ton of call options are being bought with uh, Tesla or something, the market makers are ultimately selling those calls. So they end up short Delta. So they typically have to hedge to basically stay Delta neutral. And so I'm just thinking, you know, with with these type of leveraged products, not that they're options because they're different, as you said, but is there a relationship there? Is, is there any connection to what like what the market makers would do if 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 the volumes really picked up in these leveraged ET, uh, single stock ETFs? Like, like, do you think there would be any not there wouldn't I don't think there would be effect on the stock trading itself. It's I guess more mm -hmm. maybe on the back end what the what the dealers would have to, to do yeah. to kind of stay Delta neutral. Any thoughts on that? Think, think of it like this, that, that that is true for true market makers. In other words, the, 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 the sort of traditional definition of market making where the objective is to provide two-way prices and to not take any risk um, right. in, the sen in the sense of market risk um, and provide the two-way prices, hedge, and then flatten the book uh, at the end of the day. So definitely uh, from a pure market making perspective, that's true. What you find, though, is that I think that, that there's a huge amount of what's called the machines, you know, in the market. And these machines, algorithmic traders, proprietary shops, you know, some of the biggest, biggest shops in the world that everybody be familiar with, the Citadels and Renaissance Technologies and things of the world, you'll find those names in all of our products. And that's because they have very, very sophisticated algorithms that are looking at not just our particular you know, levered ETF on Tesla, but all of the instruments that are in that universe. And if that model spots an opportunity to make a tiny fraction by buying one, selling the other, or buying one, holding it, but selling it, it will do that and do that in, you know, a very large quantity typically. So you get a lot of those, um, you know, machine driven, you know, algorithmic trading shops. And because they have very sophisticated models, they have an ability to see almost the entire universe um, of instruments that trade on these particular products. And if they can make some money by arbitraging some of these instruments, then you know, that is the principal business they do. So unsurprisingly, we get a lot of firms like that. And that's why one of the reasons why the volume is so high on a lot of these products. Yeah, that was one thing I haven't looked into it yet, but I was going to ask you, I know the TSLR just... That just started trading, right? Because I brought up the chart yeah. and there's like, was that like a couple of weeks or? That... Literally a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. That's very new. Yeah. And it's up 30% <laughs> just, just by happen, you know. Yeah. And, look, and the, look volume, at the draw. Yeah. Volume really that's what's going Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I was going to ask you what the liquidity volume is in some of these. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, it's, it's typically very impressive and very impressive when you compare it to traditional ETFs. So NVIDIA is definitely the biggest one. Like I said, that's the biggest in, in our platform, NVDL. 
that will regularly trade now 80 to 100 plus million a day in terms wow. of value. So that's a huge, huge amount of volume going through that product. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're obviously hoping to get some of the others up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but clearly that's kind of the benchmark for, you know, just that's, that's a massive wow. amount of volume, you know, on any given day. Yeah. And, and no, like notional is even more really, cause it's, it's yes. leverage. It's, that's crazy, man. This is awesome. Um, so we got TSLR 1.75% yep. Tesla bull ETF single stock TSLD. I got it as one and a half percent short. Yeah. TSDD, TSDD. TSDD. Okay. Yeah, that's that's minus one point five times, or that's minus one hundred fifty hundred fifty percent short. Okay, and then NVDL is the is the Nvidia one and a half times bull. Yeah, and then okay. NVD is the one point five times short Nvidia. Okay, well, I'm going to put all these notes in the links yeah. in the in the podcast. So you know, um, I I misread stuff all the time, <laughs> so I'll make sure everyone gets the right data. I definitely am going to be looking at. TSLR and NVDL for my own personal um, long only sort of swing trade, just trend following stuff. Yeah. And um, so that's what I'm going to be kind of looking at because I've, I've been wanting to trade these names and I like the idea of leverage as a trader because it's not, you know, when you're just buying the stock, it's like, I feel like you're um, more, more investing, you know, which I do some of that too, but yeah, I'm definitely interested in doing some more trading, short-term trading with these type of products. So this is cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming back on and, and educating yeah, no problem. us Anytime. bringing these products to life. And uh, we'll just keep the conversation going. The next time you guys yeah. have something um, coming out or anything changes, just let me know. We'll get you back on. I will do. Thank All you right, so much, man. Eric. Great to talk to you again. Thank you.